0: So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Hesham Azuz, and on this week's episode, I was joined by Rory Maddox. He's one of the co-founders of a business called Talisman Advisory Partners. They're based in LA, and this is where Rory has been building his recruitment career since 2015, although he started in recruitment in 2012. In the last two years, this is what they've achieved. Year one, 15 people, 1.2 million net fee income. Year two, 43 people, 3.5 million net fee income. So in this conversation, we break down how they've approached growth in the last two years. It was a perfect opportunity for us to reflect because they recently had their two year anniversary. What's really cool about this story is Rory partnered with someone who had never worked in recruitment before. They came from a completely different background and there was huge benefits to this on how they went about growing this business. We went into a lot of detail on the operations and the infrastructure that Rory and his business partner has been building and has invested in from very early on to facilitate scale. They have big plans, and they've approached the go-to-market strategy in a really interesting way, which I'm really excited for all of you to learn from in this conversation. So enjoy this week's episode with Rory from Talisman Advisory Partners. Rory, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. As I was just saying, lucky really, back from the States. Obviously, we got introduced to each other, was anticipating doing it remotely, but back here. Sorting some visa, passport things, and then you're going to get back to... Do you call it home
1: now? LA, is that home? I think so, mate. Yeah, I've been there nine years. I mm. uh, don't have any plans to move back, so I guess it's home, yeah. And we got the business there now, right? Yeah. So that's that's our HQ, so... How do you now feel... Just curious, like, how do you now feel about the UK when you come back to it? Mate, I love it. You mm. know, I, I still miss it. Obviously, my family and friends are over here. So I try and come back two, three times a year. Mm. Yeah, I'm from a place called Medway in Kent, mm. and and love it there when I go back, so... I, be, I usually try and come back for at least a couple of weeks, you know, with the the time difference and the jet lag and all mm. that. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's great. Love that. So let me just give you some immediate
0: context then in terms of like the journey that you're on. I think today what I'm really excited to dig into is your recruitment entrepreneurial journey. So over the last two years, you've been building a business with your business partner called Talisman Advisory Partners, but you've been in the recruitment industry for over a decade now. Before you started TAP, you were, you know, at two different businesses, one for uh, just over six years. I think, you know, have a track record of being, you know, top performer, top biller, all these things. But what we're really interested in talking about today. So in terms of the last two years, so you started this business with Rory, whose background isn't recruitment. Which yeah. I think is quite important, which we'll go into. Yeah, I'm I'm Rory. He's Andrew. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So your right. business partner, Andrew. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. You've got yeah ten plus years of recruitment. Andy's like M and A consultancy or not? Was it mergers and acquisitions? Was like his background.
1: Yeah his background started off as a chart accountant moved into investment banking investment banking was was an M&A advisory guy
0: yeah cool so always wanted to grow this business from the very start you started it in July 2021 by end of year 1 we're at 15 people 1.2 million net fee income year 2 which obviously we've just got to 43 people around 40 recruiters around six people in the I put infrastructure we're going to get more into that and around 3.5 million net fee income most of it has been perm but last month launched contract Is that right? And then there's a few other product lines as well that I know that we mentioned. And then your market, you might have to help me out here. So like ESG sustainability, or is that
1: wrong? No, that's, that's right. That's one of our teams. That's one of the teams. Yeah but you've got the whole life cycle. Yeah. So we do clean energy and sustainability. Mm. Clean energy is obviously renewable energy power production, Mm -hmm. you know, across a few different asset classes, solar, wind, hydro, geothermal. And then sustainability is the other side of the coin. It's using less energy, using less waste, being greener, basically. So it's all part of the same world, but yeah, a few different Mm. teams. And then
0: just as we're talking about that, would you mind just talking about the smart thing you've done about, that's your, they're your markets, Mm. that's your industry. But then you've set your team up specifically to serve every part of the journey of a, like a sustainability business. If they were going through X, they'd need this, 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 this. Would you mind just breaking that down? Because I think then that would be the perfect context.
1: Yeah, definitely. So we've got nine teams. Mm. So ESG sustainability is one. The other eight are in renewable energy. And if you think about building like a solar power plant, right, you're going to go through different phases as you go through that life cycle. So Mm -hmm. at the start, you're going to need to do the origination development like a property developer, but for power plants. So we've got a team that recruits those folks. Then after that, there's a bunch of contracts. You need lawyers. We have a team that recruits those lawyers. Then you need investing. So we have an investments team. Then you need accountants to balance the books. We have an accounting team, four different engineering teams, a construction team and asset management team. The idea being, we can go to a solar client and say, hey, we do everything you do, soup to nuts, but we do it with very specialised teams the whole way through your value chain, mm. which is great for them. They get one company that they can partner with, one message to the market, all that kind of stuff. But it's great for us because we've got eight different teams that can penetrate the same client and then we proliferate around around yeah, those teams. Yeah,
0: client spend, absolutely love yeah.
1: that. So. Let's start with the the million dollar question then. sure
0: you've thought more and more about this if you've been hiring for your business. So common characteristics and traits that
1: you believe make up highly
0: successful recruiters in today's market? Yeah.
1: I think I've seen a number of different kinds of Mm. recruiters be successful. In the US in particular, it's very candidate driven. It's very process driven. It's very offering value consistently. So I've found in the US, it's people that are very diligent, very organized, very consistent. Mm. People that can deliver a product consistently. Less sort of salesy in relation relational than maybe the the UK market but you know you've got to be a good communicator you've got to be concise with how you how you talk and you deliver messages you've got to be a kind of problem solver and you've got to be able to see an opportunity and go okay that's worth investing my time in and that isn't and then you've got to be consistent because anyone can put a good month together but mm. you know you need you need 12 good months to have a good year so it's about someone that can turn up and kind of repeatedly do it mm. interesting
0: where I wanted to to start this then, obviously, look, two two years, I'm sure it feels like a lot longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> but let let's just cast us back to the start then. Really curious to understand what was the go-to-market strategy? You worked at two recruitment businesses before, one for, you know, a really substantial amount of time. So what was like yours and your business partner's initial go-to-market strategy? How was you going to be different? How was you, you know, going to stand out from the other recruitment companies? I know the US is not as competitive to the UK, but mm-hmm. still, why would you not want to be different? What was going to be your value proposition? Talk to us a bit about what
1: that go-to-market strategy initially looked like at the start. Yeah, I think the, the initial go-to-market strategy was let, let's form two teams that make the most sense versus our network and our connections and our experience within renewable energy. And then we'll build out those other teams like the building blocks around it, right? So the idea being that we're very client centric. So mm-hmm. let's penetrate some clients here and then let's land and expand and service all of their roles with different teams. So we started a an engineering focused team in power generation and a project finance based team. Okay. Andy's experience lends very well to him kind of sitting and having a peer to peer discussion with project finance and M&A folks. When I was a biller back in the day, it was engineering, so I dusted off the old cobwebs and. Uh, and went for that, basically. Our go-to-market strategy was always going to be that we're a functionally aligned, clean energy recruitment business, that we have all of these teams, as I just mentioned. So we knew that on day one, that's where we wanted to get to. And then on top of that, we wanted to offer a holistic service. So talent consultancy, contingent search, either retained or contingent search, contract, and then HR as a service, which is a new product line that we've we've incorporated, And, and kind of be able to go in soup to nuts and say, we don't just take on all your roles, but we can help, right across the board with a lot of this talent advisory mm. stuff, kind of picture that level. We saw a kind of gap in the market for kind of a higher level advisory type service that you might get from a corn Ferry or something mm. like that. And actually being able to deliver good candidates, which is what contingent search firms do, like Spencer Ogden and Piper mm. and that kind of stuff. They're obviously our, our competitors in the space. Mm. And we thought we could occupy that kind of middle ground, which is like the engine room of a contingent search that is always speaking to candidates and always providing great mm-hmm. candidates, but like the service levels and the kind of thoughtfulness of, of those kind of, you know, higher end search firms. So your what are your different product lines again, did you say? Because I
0: think this is also really interesting for people. So your different did you have these products from the start then or like they
1: were the ones that you thought about. They came over time. Yeah, they came over time. So initially it was like in the US, you call it search and staffing, which is permanent contract, right? Okay. So initially it was, it was search, contingent and retained. And we tried to push for as much retained as possible at the start because we didn't have the bandwidth to yeah. be effective on contingent search. So we started that and Mm -hmm. then we moved into like staffing or contract and then a couple of months ago we started hr as a service service. which is that's the kind of i suppose the more interesting exciting one because not many people do that yeah you know it's quite difficult to do which was the why we did it we wanted a point of difference that was uh you you know not just a me too business that you actually had to yeah you know build an infrastructure for
0: at the start then what was more difficult than maybe you anticipated because like you had a track record of being successful as a biller. That's different to being a recruitment owner. So what challenge did you run
1: into personally that maybe you least expected, you think, at the start? I think at the start in particular, we found it harder to hire than we thought. Really. So, you know, we started the business like during the kind of back to work from COVID, which was great from a like billing mm. perspective. We were a bit too early in our ramp to really take advantage of it. Yeah. But the problem was that every... uh every recruiter that was any good was billing loads of money. Yeah. So they were going, well, I don't want to leave and you're two lads in a room with a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> so, you know, maybe not. Yeah. So we then had to hire a bunch of people that didn't have recruitment experience because we found it really hard to take from the recruitment market at that time. Mm. So then we kind of had to develop all our L&D processes and train people up because initially, you know, we were like, oh, we'll, we'll pick off some big hitters mm-hmm. and they'll build teams for us. It didn't really work out well. Yeah, we had to we had to hire, you know, a couple of grads, but mainly like second jobbers, people that were in like sales for like mm. a car rental company or whatever it was it was. So that was the challenge was talent at the start for sure. What do you think it was just the market or do you think you could have,
0: you know, pitched your business in a better way, or was it do you think it was very market dependent, do you think? I think
1: it was a bad time for the market, but I think, you know, looking inward at us, I think we didn't know how to position ourselves effectively. Mm. Like we had a load of different ideas and we had like a 30 page PowerPoint <laughs> and we were just going like, what do you think of yeah. all this? And they were going, uh, what? And yeah. I think we just looked like we were a bit too ambitious and, you know, we were talking, you know, we had, we had this graph up that kind of went to like 150 million or whatever it right. was. I can't remember what it was. And they were probably looking at us like, come on, mate. What are you, yeah, you know. About? <laughs> um, so I think in hindsight, maybe we could have made it a bit more tangible. We could have streamlined our proposition to people a bit more. But, you know, it's kind of worked out because it meant that we had to build processes and systems and, and stuff think about earlier. how you do things. And, yeah.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: And then with
0: your business partner then, I'm sure there's been different moments like this, but particularly at the start, what do you think Andy's helped you do that maybe if you were doing the business with another recruitment person like you, which is very typical, you know, you could have done it with someone that you know was maybe one of your first hires in your team Good relationship, both really good billers. They start of our own recruitment business, but you started with Andy, who's got a different background. What do you think he maybe made you see or made you do differently at the start that maybe you wouldn't have done if it was with another recruitment person? Do you think?
1: Yeah, I think a lot really, particularly around the kind of the funding, the infrastructure, the yeah. operational performance of the business. You know, Andy had always kind of pitched into me that you know he he knew what good looked like for businesses. He knew how to build businesses from a back end. And, you know, he needed a, a front front office guy. And it didn't necessarily have to be in recruitment, but, mm. you know, obviously, recruitment's a good market to be building a business in. So, you know, I was kind of bought into that from the start, I think, that, you know, if I was going to do it, it'd be better to do it with someone that had a complementary skill set to me and not, you know, just two mm. big billers, for example, or two team leaders or office leaders or whatever. And, yeah, I think... The state of our business in terms of its infrastructure is is way beyond where I think most people would imagine a two year business to be. You know, our processes, our systems, our commissions, our accounting, our marketing, all of this kind of stuff. And I think he's he's played a pivotal role in all of that. And particularly understanding the funding. Not necessarily that you have to borrow a lot of money, but mm. when you know how funding works, you can have a lot more confidence in growing. And you can have a lot more confidence in spending. And what and one guy one thing MA guys do is, is they believe in spending money, right? Mm. Which is actually really, I think good mindset to have when you launch a business is don't sit on your money don't spend your money on a car or a watch like you know you need to be reinvesting that money because it will make money for you you know the following year and the year after that so we got really aggressive around spending money on growth from the start and i think having him gave me that kind of confidence to do that okay so let's break this down a bit then
0: let's just zoom in on like
1: year 1 basically
0: because i think that'll be helpful for people mm. and then we can talk about what else you've got in place in year 2 so Year one, I think you shared with me there's about 15 of you. When was, let's just talk about the, yeah, like what you're just talking about there in terms of what Andy has added, because I think this will be really helpful for people. I shared with you, I think when we prepared for this, you know, a huge percentage of the UK recruitment industry are nowhere near where you are in terms of just like headcount. And a lot of them are, you know, sub 10 people. And the common insight that I've taken from that, from the interviews that I've had and speaking and interviewing people that help and consult people like yourself is oftentimes because, you know, people that start these businesses are like typical people like yourself who, you know, being been successful recruiters. They're now starting a business and it's just more about how am I going to get to a million? Well, I'll get 10 recruiters to do 100 grand each rather than thinking about the infrastructure and how we can, you know, um, implement processes and these things to help us get there more quickly. So I think the infrastructure and the processes part and all of that is like really helpful for people because I think that's often where sometimes people don't know where to start, don't know what good looks like. So in that first year, when did you guys make like the fir- Like, what was the first like non-sales hire? Was any of that fifteen non-sales people were they all salespeople? Before we go right back to the conversation, I wanted to take a moment to tell you about one of our podcast partners, One Up Sales. So let's talk about getting the most from your existing recruitment consultants. It's not always about expanding the team, especially now but maximizing the potential of those already with you. And that's precisely what OneUp Sales, our podcast sponsor, can help you do. Their robust sales performance management platform offers a unique blend of transparency, competition, and motivation. They help you to identify the areas your consultants excel in and those where they could use a boost. With personalized targets, real-time performance tracking, and engaging rewards, your team will be motivated to achieve more and more. With 1UP sales, you're not just supervising your consultants, you're fueling their ambition. So why settle for good when you can get 1UP and be great? Because you listen to this podcast, you get a unique offer, which is 10% off each user on the platform. Use a link in the show notes to get your hands on that offer, to check out one-up sales so it can help you get more out of your current team. Now let's get back to the conversation.
1: The first thing we did was me and Andy stopped billing very quickly. Really? Yeah. How quickly? um, Three or four months. Really? Yeah. We did like a couple of quick-fire deals, mainly with people that I knew. And was like, give us a couple of retainers kind of thing. Um, (laughs) Sort of that. Yeah, sort of (laughs) that. Come on, we're we're starving it. And then we quickly were like, look, this is taking all our time up, right? We need to be growing the business, you know, and it, and if that means we take a haircut on what we we're taking out of the business, mm. and we you know we live on ramen for a couple of years, then fine. Mm. But we've got to spend our time growing the business. So initially, it was me and Andy moving away from billing, and then we hired like a utility player, marketing slash ops person. At what stage? Uh, in six months eight months yeah a little bit before that four or five months okay four or five months so and, you
0: did utility player being I haven't really heard that what does that or, mean oh just like you
1: know do a bit of everything like so operations yeah right. her major focus was marketing okay that was her background but we had her doing some operations and a bit of TA why did you think marketing was the right first hire on that then Because we were trying to hire so aggressively, and because we didn't have much of a business, we wanted a nice website, we wanted nice print materials, we wanted our LinkedIn to look really engaging, and we wanted to give the impression of a big, viable company, right? Mm -hmm. And having that kind of like, marketing presence that looked really slick and professional, I think was a big sales pitch for us in those meetings. Okay, that makes Um, sense. Three, four months, taking a step away, firstly, what was you doing with your time then? so i was really really focusing on internal talent acquisition really yeah like i basically became an internal ta i felt really? like yeah i was managing the few people we had obviously and then um i was just really really focused around hiring people for the business you know like the way that we're driving it in the first few years is like a real heavy focus on headcount growth and top line revenue right so to your point about this business owner that wants to get to a million and he mm. goes okay i need everyone doing a hundred grand or whatever I would take more just philosophically the view of, okay, let's load up the business. Let's get to a million really quickly and then drive profitability if you're worried about your profit Mm -hmm. per head, right? So we just went on a big hiring spree, spent a lot of time doing TA. I was still obviously on like client calls and doing some support there and kind of coaching and developing and building out and learning and development syllabus Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Okay. And then what about Andy then? What was he doing? We basically split the business in terms of, we've got professional services or what we call professional services, which is some of our teams that kind of are a bit more suit and tie mm-hmm. and then engineering, construction, the engineers and the folks. And, and I kind of sit over that. He kind of sits over that other half. So we kind of went 50, 50 on a lot of that, but he was also doing a lot of the financing stuff, obviously doing all the commissions and accounting. And, and now we're building out a team that does that so does that. He, So he gets to get off those tools a little bit but yeah just just you know that that kind of stuff it's amazing how when you're growing a business even a recruitment business I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking a recruitment business is just like a recruitment team mm. right I'm a team leader I've got reports that's a business there's so much more that goes into it when you're doing it effectively and when you're trying to scale mm. that you need to be spending time doing that. You said at the start, the internal hiring was, you know, difficult.
0: What made it easier then if you're spending a lot of your time doing it? I'm assuming you got better at it. What did you get better at? Besides yeah. the perception is reality, we look better. Yeah. Like anything else that you obviously clearly had to get better at on the internal hiring side?
1: Yeah, I think we really refined our messaging about mm-hmm. what we're doing and how we're doing it. Like, I mean, I've I've pitched in Talisman about 50,000 times. I'm sat there in interviews thinking, Jesus, I'm I'm just on repeat. You know, so we got really clear about our message to the market. And then we, um, yeah, I mean, obviously when you can track back to success and you can say, hey, we said we were gonna be at 15 and we said we were gonna be at 40 and now we're saying yeah. we're gonna be at 75. And then we're going to be at 125. People start believing you, right, when they mm. see you getting it done. And then, you know, you can prove, you know, you can point to people and say, well, this person's been in this and we've got this many clients that we've won and all that kind of stuff. So I think that made a big difference. And then like me personally doing it, like if you think about it and you're a founder of the business, like the most important thing you have is building your team at the start. Mm. So the founder for me should be doing that. Mm. You should be the first person they're speaking to, mm. particularly recruiters because they've got egos as well. Like mm. a big biller is not going to want to speak to a TA. He might want to speak to the owner of the company. Mm. So I think, I th- yeah, I think that and just trial and error. Did you hire in ones and twos or did you try and hire like three people starting at the same time or how did you approach that? We don't hire like big grad batches, right? We're not doing like 10 to 20, but we try and do a minimum two, but ideally mm. around four. So we're hiring four to six a month at the moment, roughly, and you know it might be a two and a four, or it might be a six, and mm. on one day if we can, or, or whatever. Yeah, like when you hire in with people, there's economies of scale mm. in terms of just like you're not wasting, you know, double the amount of time training them up. You can get them in the classroom together. Mm. There's that peer-to-peer learning they have. There's that competition. There's that camaraderie. There's all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? So, so yeah, I mean, we've just hired actually. a an L and D person as an infrastructure hire, so that like we're really excited about that. You know, yeah, ten years at one of the best energy recruitment businesses, building their L and D platform. So he's going to be an exciting hire for us. But it was yeah, it was me and Andy doing doing, doing the coaching that. and stuff.
0: So understand the you know the business path that you took and the and the objective was yeah, top line growth, head headcount growth. But still, you got to be smart with money. Look at the right things what were like the important dashboards that you and Andy looked at? So when you are, you know, doubling down on hiring growth, okay, maybe not as focused on profitability per head, but still you've got to be looking at certain metrics and and data to be like, yeah, that person probably is on track to like, not be on yeah not not isn't where we want them to be like Mm. what were the important dashboards that you looked at in terms of was it like okay if no if they haven't done their first deal in this period of time then we need to be really thinking about where's this person going what are they doing what were the important dashboards on that because you've still got to manage cash flow and be smart with
1: that right yeah totally we have like revenue targets for each each Mm. consultant you know we have like billing targets and If you're a certain amount below that target, then there's performance management measures that that happen at different milestones. So that typical stuff. And obviously before that, there's a KPI ramp that you look at, right? What are those key dashboards then? Because I think that'd be interesting for people. Yeah, I mean, look, I think we call them the holy trinity. uh, Holy trinity, mate, give it to uh, us. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) There you go, dropping some knowledge. No, I mean, they're they're the standard stuff. It's CV submits, jobs or vacancies, and first-round interviews. Like as long as those are looking healthy, then everything should be fine. What does healthy look like? Healthy for me in the US looks like eight, four, and two. So eight CV subs, four first round interviews, two vacancies a week. Okay. If they're not working, then there's micro productivity below that that you can get into and then there's activity right which is the start of the funnel like the funnel goes activity productivity pipeline performance so your activity is your your emails your mm. phone calls you know that kind of stuff right which we don't look at unless there's a problem with the productivity to be honest we're not like a micromanaging business then there's a the productivity and it can be as much as you know meetings and contacts added to the system and whatever else there's the really meaningful productivity which is that mm. then there's your pipeline And, you know, we have a pipeline that calculates, okay, we're going to give this much value to first round interviews, this much to second, this much to offers, Mm -hmm. and then it will spit out a number for you. I'm sure a lot of people operate like that. And then you kind of have performance. But internally as a business, you've got to understand some things right around your your finances. You've got to understand your cash burn every month. You've got to understand, you know, your salaries and your commissions percentage. And, okay, well, what run rate are we operating at every month? Is it, okay, a million dollars a month? Well, Mm -hmm. if it's a million dollars a month, then you want to have at least three months in the bank. So you need three million in the bank, right? Mm. And if not, you've got to sort out some financing options to sort that out. So we're, you know, again, Andy's background, chart accounting, like mm. before he got into M&A, like he's on top of this in a way that gives us a lot of confidence. I could imagine if it was like two recruitment billers, you know, you yeah, get right. a bit nervy right. when like yeah. a few hundred thousand every month starts coming out in salaries and stuff like that, you know? Mm. Anything that you think Andy's done
0: on like the incentive commission side out of interest? Because you might have looked at that a bit differently. Cause you can very easily be like, Oh well it's always been like this, like we have tiers, forty percent after this, whatever. Mm. How have you approached that? Has that been a bit different with his background or not?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's gonna be some interesting stuff in terms of like L tips coming out. What does that Um, mean? Long-term incentive plans, which we're kind of working on in the background. I Mm. think in terms of salaries and commissions, not really, we haven't really reinvented the wheel with that. I think it's about giving people a good, the the incentivization piece is about giving people a commission structure, right? That is good and against market, particularly as you're growing, you've got to be better than market in terms of overall comp, Mm. but also one that rewards the right level of performance, right? You don't just want to be like, Paying great commissions to people that aren't making you money, obviously, mm. right? So, you know, we're unashamedly a performance culture with a performance related commission structure. Not like crazy. It's not like if you're not billing a million dollars, you're not earning good money with mm. us, but, you know, rewards the people that are, you know, medium to good as opposed to just, you know, just straight away.
0: Yeah. Have you found hiring American people that they care about salary more than commission,
1: certain benefits? Interesting. Yeah, we've got two offices. We've got an office in LA and we've got an office in Mexico City. Uh, we're opening up in New York in o- October. And LA and New York aren't cheap, right? So so salaries do matter. And they matter for a very valid reason. You've got to pay your rent. and You can't wait for commissions to pay your rent. So salaries are much higher in LA. So yeah, people are worried about salaries, rightly so, because the cost of living is so high in the US at the moment. But then, you know, different people are, are motivated in different ways. You know, some people are like really, really base focused, and then some people are overall total comp focused. So you kind of find your people, right? Like you find what, whatever your comp structure works for, that, that's mm. who you're going to ultimately attract.
0: So would you mind just sharing, because you mentioned it a bit there, but just to wrap up like year one, I guess... You're talking a lot around there in terms of like yeah you know burning x amount a month runway you know me asking you around okay you've really doubled down on headcount growth top line growth you still got to manage your cash flow what the metrics you look at talk to us about the funding piece then because i thought this was interesting as i sent mm. to you because done a lot of these conversations now he was probably the the first person to say to me that yeah we was really intentional about funding and getting funding for the reasons which i'll let you explain but Talk to us a bit about that, and obviously sharing like, okay, if I'm a recruitment business owner listening right now, what you believe are you know some of the avenues and options that recruitment business owners have, and uh, that might not be aware of, and then two, why you think you know that's a smart
1: thing to do. Yeah, totally. So the conversation that we had was basically that we established lines of credit. Yeah. Even though we haven't really had to use them, mm-hmm. but we've loaned money to build a credit score, basically with these lenders. There's three main avenues you can go down, right? So the first one is it's like a personal loan that involves your business. So let's say you're with Wells Fargo or you've got an Amex account. They're going to loan you an amount of money. It's not going to be a huge amount, but depending on you know your credit and, mm. and all this kind of stuff, they're going to loan you money. The positive thing about that is it's going to be a lower interest rate. Maybe that's going to be 8%, something like that. So Amex might lend you a hundred grand yeah. at 8%, which is good if you borrow that, pay it back, and then they'll give you more credit Mm -hmm. as long as you're a good payer, right? But it's never going to be massive because Mm -hmm. it's a personal loan. The other option that you have is going to your business account bank and lending from them, and that will be better rates, but they're going to loan you a bit more than the personal loan, but not that much. Mm -hmm. And then the other option is that you go to like a credit facility, one that takes on riskier things and they're going to loan you money, but it's going to be uh, 20%. Right. And then the last option is, is kind of invoice factoring, which is probably the most attractive option, particularly if you're a bigger business with a lot of invoices out and all that kind of stuff. But the key thing about borrowing is like, and people that live in the U S will know this because it's the same with your personal credit. Like you can be rich, but if you don't use a credit card, like you, you can't get cars on lease and stuff, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's a bit of a game that you have to get familiar with. What I would recommend to people is borrow some money, even if you don't need it, because you should need it because you're investing it in your business. And even if it's at a 20% interest, then, you know, like if you can't put a million dollars in your business and return 1.2 million dollars in 12 months, then the platform's not strong enough anyway. Mm-hmm. So borrowing money in that situation should be something you consider anyway. But importantly, you'll start to build up more. So initially you borrow 80, you pay that back. Then they go, hey, we'll lend you 150, you pay that back. Mm. And then you're building it up. And then maybe you'll find yourself in a position where you're five, six years in, you've got a really strong platform. And you're like, we just need to put fuel on this. And then you can go to these lenders and they'll lend you a million dollars that you actually need for real growth. So you start building up that relationship with them. And invoice factoring is a really interesting one as well. The thing with like invoice factoring is you've got to actually be like a pretty decent business already for them to engage with you because they're going to get forensic in terms of what does your business look like? Do people pay you back? Who are yeah. your clients? So that's all leveraging
0: that kind of like how much your history of being paid, how much are money making to then be like, we'll lend you this
1: because we know that about your business, right? Is that wrong? That's more like when you go to, to a bank or a credit oh, right, stuff. Okay. The invoice factoring is like all of that, but then it's like, we will lend you money or we will pay you money for your invoices. So if you've got a million dollars worth of receivables, they'll usually do up to like ninety percent. So they'll say, right, well, so they'll just pay you that because they assume yeah you're going to get paid. Yeah, they'll take on rather that. than waiting. They'll take on that for like you know one to two percent. Right, got you.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because um, yeah, that, that's like I really like the mindset there. Of again, I just feel like this is the this is the different mindset that you have on how you're approaching growing this business because like you said, it's like you're doing these things now because if you keep going in the right trajectory, there will be that moment where you, you know you and Andy look at each other and go, right, we feel really confident that if we can just put more resources in this part and that part, that we can go from 20 million a year to 35 million a year, oh, totally. right? But because you've had that track record of asking for money, paying it back, you're gonna be able to get in those rooms and go, hey, look, we need 5 million so we can get here. And you might have already dealt with them three, four times up until that point. We'll get right back into the conversation in a moment, but before we do, I wanted to tell you about one of our long-time podcast partners, VinCherry. So ask yourself this, is your team feeling the effects of manual data entry and outdated processes? Relegate repetitive and monotonous tasks to VinCherry, your all-in-one recruitment operating system. Imagine a few extra hands helping you sift through the busy work day in, day out. That's the benefit of Vinceri's automation tools and features. From interview scheduling, automated templates, CV formatting, reporting and more. You're going to reduce error rates, streamline compliance and accelerate return on investment. It works like magic. And the best part, you keep morale high and productivity goes through the roof. Today's episode is kindly sponsored by Vinceri, the top rated recruitment software by TrustRadius in 2023 you get an exclusive offer for listeners' podcast, which is 10% off the user price. Reach out to the team and arrange a quick demo or use a link in the show notes to book an exploratory call and get your hands on that exclusive offer and start using great tools within their all-in-one platform like automation.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people take on investors too early or sell Mm. parts of their company too early. Like I would really strongly advise against that because Mm. like, money is... um, Money's really expensive when you start, mm. and then if you have any success, it's comparatively quite cheap. so if you're selling part of your company to an amount that might sound like a lot to you at the start, like two hundred and fifty grand and they want to take you know twenty five percent they valued your business at a million dollars and you're like you know four people mm. you might think that's great, but then all of a sudden in your third year you're probably doing more than that a quarter, right so you're just like oh, all right, I'm just giving away twenty five percent of the business so mm. if you can. Borrow debt and not equity. Yeah. Borrow money, don't sell off your company. And then you can bring in an equity partner when you've got something really, you know, meaningful. Like when you're 100 people and you bring in an equity partner and they take you to 300 people mm. and you do what, you know, the Fadens and, and mm. a lot of those other successful businesses have done. So second year then, what was like the mindset? So obviously you
0: went from 15 to 43, like over doubled net fee income, invested a lot more in the infrastructure, So why don't we just paint a picture of the business today then, and then we can work backwards. So when we caught up, it might have changed now. You said you had around 40 recruiters, so 40 salespeople, and then six people in the infrastructure. Would you mind just sharing the up-to-date makeup then of like the infrastructure compared to salespeople?
1: Yeah, we're at six still on the infrastructure, but we've just hired two more people. So in a couple of weeks, they'll be joining. That will take us up to eight. And I think we're at about 42 Mm-hmm. Recruiters. I mean, when we caught it was only a couple of weeks ago, yeah, yeah, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. But we've got some really exciting senior hires in the locker. Like, we're about to hire someone to lead New York, and then we've got a couple of other people that are a bit more experienced joining as well. Like mm-hmm. every year, we can we can attract like more senior talent to the business, which yeah. is exciting. So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of there. You know, like, our, our really high level numbers in terms of what our targets were to give you a bit of context was 1, 3, 6, 10, 15. Mm-hmm. in terms of million. That's like the general, yeah, yeah. And you know, we we kind of did. That one and two, and I think you know we've already started to have a pretty good course of this course. So I think we're tracking to beat that third year goal as well. So what people make up the infrastructure that'd be interesting. You've just hired an L and D person, which you're really excited about. Mm. What else we have got in there? So we've just hired. We started this HR as a service okay thing, yeah. right? So we hired like a kind of senior HR consultant, HR business partner type of stuff, not internally for us, but for our clients. Standardly, yeah. And then we've got a couple of operational people there. We've we've hired a uh, finance manager. Who's going to take on responsibilities around commissions and and that kind of stuff? We've got a couple of operational folks as well. Now we're looking at hiring a, You've got a uh, marketing marketing team. Yeah, we've got a marketing person. Yeah, yeah, marketing um, person. Noah Fish, shout out. Uh, uh, he's- so for marketing, finance, L and D, operations. What does that mean? What, what are they getting their hands in? So operations, yeah, operations is a mix of stuff. Like we're about to implement a new CRM. That's a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah. You know, we've got two offices. We're about to. Launch another office. There's heavy right, lifting the stuff around that. Yeah, yeah. Community pieces, that kind of stuff. Okay. HR person. What else have we got in there then? So we have got HR, finance, marketing, operations, training, training, L and D. We got a TA. Oh yeah, I was gonna say uh, yeah, a TA. that makes sense. Uh, and we're hiring another TA. Because we've got a TA that sits in Mexico City. We're hiring one in LA. So you're not in that anymore. No, I'm. I'm not. I, even know I still, <laughs> into it. I still dabble into. It. I'm still. I'm still the first person you speak to. But. Um, okay. I've been doing less less in-mails and connections. Yeah,
0: so that's that team. Interesting. Curious then, how have you set up the recruiters in terms of like, what does the all chart look like? That might be interesting in terms of like, we've got, you know, out of the four around 41, 42, you've got three team leads... What does that look like, those sort of ratios and leaders to recruiters?
1: Yeah, so the layout will be, you know, recruiters, team leaders, divisional leads. Like, okay. There's nothing, nothing too crazy about that. Not every one of our teams has an emerged team leader yet, so we don't have nine team leaders. We mm-hmm. have, I'd say, I think we have six or seven team mm-hmm. leaders, and then other people that are kind of emerging through that, and then obviously we'll launch other teams. We don't have any di- divisional leads yet, mm-hmm. though we've just... Hi, the guy in New York will be a divisional lead. Mm-hmm. So we'll start that. I see like, you know, at scale, one point of difference that we're not unique in, but a lot of people do like regional leadership. Mm. We're not really about that. I don't think we'll ever have like a head of LA Right. And ahead of Mexico and ahead of New York and ahead of Miami or wherever else we are, ahead of of Texas, because I did that. I was ahead of LA and then ahead of West Coast when we started hiring remotes as well. And you just end up doing a load of like operational work, which is important, but like, it's not actually what you're good at doing. Mm. Like you're good at like developing talent and breaking clients with, with your consultants Mm. and market strategy. And, and you're like, you know, organizing a happy hour or you're, Mm -hmm. you know, doing all this kind of stuff. So So we'll have like divisional leads where it's kind of like, you know, this person is the national head of deal professionals and this person is the national head of engineering and Mm. has staff across the offices. It'll be more split like that. So what do you, what do you now do? What's your time filled up with? A lot of one-on-ones. To be honest, way too many one-on-ones. Like recruiters? Yeah. Like I have probably 25 one-on-ones reoccurring every week, (laughs) which is just too many. Not that they're all necessarily direct my reports. Because just at this early stage of the business, I just want to make sure that everybody's getting the right kind of training. And, it, right. and, and even if it's like there's a team leader in between us, I just want to make sure that, you know, everybody's getting the proper DNA and they, they really get it and that they're, that they're on the right tracks and everyone's mm. set up for success. I'm scaling that back now. You know, look, I'm a big believer that you only want like five or six reports mm. and, and that you need to waterfall down through that. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're kind of, transitioning to and then other things is like there's cross-functional things right like so meeting with the marketing department and what they're doing or the crm stuff takes mm-hmm. a lot of your time i interview a load of people as i say so i'm doing you know 10 to 15 hours of interviews maybe a week that's the bulk of it honestly doing one-on-ones and interviewing is the bulk of what i do and then you know dealing cross-functionally with stuff that comes up that we like we're doing a new website build or we're doing, yeah, you know, doing uh, reactive stuff and, mm-hmm. and involved offering your perspective yeah. How has Rory had to continue,
0: because like, I feel like, was you doing a lot of this stuff when you worked for the previous company? Yeah. Oh, you was already?
1: Yeah, I was. I mean, look, I was, a lot of people now are, you know, starting recruitment companies early and stuff, which is, is okay. But I kind of went through the corporate ranks, to be honest, like, mm. and by the time I'd set, set up Talisman, I was already managing a really big business unit. I think our peak we had like 80 headcounts. Mm. Already had like you know a legal team, not a recruitment team, but like a, a legal team for our contracts and our marketing team and our TA team reporting it to me and that kind of stuff. So mm. a lot of that stuff I was already doing. Particularly what I do, a lot of the new stuff Andy Andy does of that actually, you know, the new stuff that comes when you set up your own business as opposed to mm. being a senior person in a you know front office senior person.
0: So talk to us about obviously being really intentional
1: with the HR as a service. Why have you done that? Just to get really sticky with our clients and to add to add an elevated level of value to them as well, because a lot of these companies, they're a bit overwhelmed when they start up. So the HR as a service is really effective for startup businesses and it's taking them on that growth journey. And it's basically saying like, okay, we can send you loads of resumes, but you're not going to be able to hire them. You're not going to onboard them properly. You're not going to be able to performance manage them. You're not going to be able to scale enough. If we put in the people strategy for you and give you the actual infrastructure, like put in your ATS system, you know, Put in your insurances and your payroll and all your this kind of stuff. It allows them to scale much quicker, right? But for us, it also allows us to be really sticky with them because they're obviously then going to give us all their search, right? Mm. So it just kind of works that way. And then from a business perspective, it's reoccurring revenue, mm. subscription model, which is good for investors, right? When you're sitting across from private equity, they want to hear a narrative. They want to hear a story. You know, just like you ask me, mm. what's, what's your point of difference, mm. right? It's now it's not unique, but it's rarefied. Like not many people offer those three three services well. Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, okay, who offers them well in clean energy? Like no one probably mm-hmm. at the moment in the US. So then all of a sudden you've got a compelling story, right? Whilst also having it's it's solid business, it's good business. So we're in our infancy with that. We've how, we've, how far into that? we've got like one established client and we've got like two or three more real viable pitches. We're only, you know, three months into doing it. Yeah, yeah, sure. What were the markers for you and Andy to be like, this needs to be another product line? We'd always talked about doing it. Right. So it was part of day one was, let's get a business big enough so that we can service it because you don't just want to like take it all on and then just like, you know, mess it all up for your client, right? So you you have to build a good enough infrastructure. Let's get enough cash that we can do it. And then let's get enough brand positioning that we're going to actually be able to win some stuff. And so it was always going to be like a year three thing. It got brought forward a couple of months because there were some great opportunities around it and we were doing better than we thought. So we kind of brought that forward and, and now we're really investing in it. Now we've got a couple of hires. There's a team of three people now just focusing on that. So you
0: sell that service to a customer mm. and all the people that, that sort out the payroll, the, these things would be on, on your payroll?
1: Yeah. All, all the people that handle it. So like, yeah. as in like, you know, we're not going to replace like paychecks or ADP, or I, I don't know what the UK equipments are, unfortunately, but like, we're still using them. But like, imagine all your HR administrative people that work for your business. And it what it does is it means it gives them a cost effective solution to do that and ramp up really quickly whilst giving them actually a better level of service because they're plugging into a bigger yeah. HR department that we have. So yeah, we're just kind of, we're offering that and, you know, so far so good. We're still building it out to mm. be to be completely honest. But I think in like, you know, I think it's going to be like a really core cool part of our business in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, that is super interesting. How have you, that's a different sell, right?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a different sell. I mean, it's with a lot of these things and it's the same thing I tell people about retainers and executive search and value-added services. It's like, if you pitch a bigger solution, it's just the more interesting conversation anyway. You just look big bigger and better to the people you're pitching it to, right? Mm. If you're going, okay, so talk to me about where your business is at, where you want to take it, what's your internal infrastructure to do that? What are your pain points around hiring? What are the challenges that you're finding? Okay, mm. cool. How are you finding onboarding all of these people? How are you finding the payrolling and the insurances? Like, have you got workers' comp in, in Maine that you need to go and do a project there? All of these kind of challenges that they do, that's the kind of thing that's going to like, you know, prick up the ears of a CEO of a startup because that that's a real challenging point for them. Mm. And even if they don't go down that option, you've had a much higher level conversation with them. So then when you start talking about retainer or you start talking mm. about typical search or staffing, you're a more interesting conversation for them to kind of take off from. But yeah, look, there's a certain use case for it, right? Like you're not going to go up to Shell or Nike and go like, hey, do you want us to take over your HR services? They're like, well, oh, we've got that covered, thanks. But there's a lot of companies, particularly in clean energy, particularly in tech, that... Um, They've got a founder who's really good at you know the product or the service that they offer, mm. but isn't quite business savvy. Doesn't really know you know well how to do to do all of that. And then on top of that, it's actually also like a cost-effective thing to outsource it. Mm. There's this movement in the US, and again, I, I don't know if it's in the UK as well. It probably is. It's called like businesses without walls. Okay, and it's kind of like you don't hire lawyers, but you have this kind of like legal company that operate as you in a context. You don't hire accountants, but you've got accountants that have your email as well. and It's kind of like you just outsourcing a lot of this stuff Mm. and you just really focus on your core business. So it's kind of riding that crest of that wave as well a little bit. And people are, I think, pretty excited about doing that. And then if you think about how these startups are funded, a lot of them are funded through VC and private equity. So those private equity and VC companies... Really like the idea of getting in some professionals to take care of that, right? Mm. So you can also pitch it at that level, pitch it to the yeah. private equity firm, and they go, Oh, we, we've got a couple of startups that, that that could be helpful for. It does make a lot of sense. Really interesting
0: how you go on with that. I guess as we round this out, then, like what, you know, spoken a lot about the last two years, what are you and Andy really doubling down on now going into year three then? So you mentioned New York there, but what are the things you're going into year three? like really remaining laser focused on that you feel like you have to you know, execute or what are the really top one, two, three priorities that you have to execute that's going to enable you to, again, hit the initial goals that you guys put on in terms of one, three and like six, I think you said. A real quick one from me and we'll get straight back into the conversation. Some of you may or may not be aware that I'm also the founder of a business called Hector. Hector is an all-in-one training platform for recruitment founders to maximize team performance. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is because if you are someone that is enjoying this podcast week after week, you might even share this podcast with your colleagues, then I'd love to connect with you. Our training platform is powered by top performers delivering practical training for today's market. We believe training a lot of the time in the recruitment industry is dated, it's stale. It's delivered by people that did it 5, 10, 15 years ago and we are completely going against that. So a lot of the people that you're able to learn on this podcast you're able to learn even more from at Hector. So if you'd love to you know find out more about how we could potentially help you get more out of your people, ramp up their performance more quickly, then please connect with me on LinkedIn or click the link in the show notes where you'll be able to book a call with us. Let's get straight back into the episode.
1: Yeah, huge focus again for us in headcount growth thirty mm-hmm. to forty more hires this year net. Huge focus on staffing contract for us. I think that's going to be a really exciting build up for us. This HR as a service mm-hmm. thing that we're mentioning, and then really focusing on on getting that leadership tier for us really firing and good to go on, on on kind of growth and and making sure that we we've got the structure this year to really take it to the next level because a mm-hmm. lot of companies a lot of companies struggle around the fifty mark. Yeah, You know, they struggled to take it to the 150, 200. And I think that's because they don't look inwards enough. They don't mm. invest on infrastructure. And we've got quite a lot of infrastructure given the size of our business. But that's because we're thinking... It's going to help you. And yeah. yeah, yeah, we're thinking about getting to 200 people. We're not thinking about how much money can we make this year, you know? What's your philosophy on keeping people? Because what, what, what's your attrition been like? Yeah, our attrition has been really good. It's been probably too good. What I mean by that is we have not been good at, you know, maybe getting people that are underperforming out of the business soon enough and now that sounds a bit harsh but look but that's business that's, yeah that's how it is but the great the great thing about recruitment mate is that and sales in general is that everything's aligned if you're firing someone from the business because they're no good like that's good for them <laughs> why, what, you know what i mean why why are you in a sales job where you you're not yeah, earning yeah. any commission go do something else mate <laughs> um so
0: <laughs> but look, what's the because yes yeah, net 40 50 headcount but you've got to fucking keep people that's going to make mm. your life a lot easier yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you don't want to just be on the treadmill of... Totally. Which a lot of recruitment and companies end up on or you become too bloated with people that aren't that mm. great. So what, what's the philosophy on that? Because I'm sure
1: that's also top of mind. Our philosophy is we want to be considered like a best-in-class business. Yeah, mm. And that sounds like an obvious thing, but a lot of companies aren't geared up to be that. A lot of companies want to be Tesco's or they want to mm. be McDonald's. They want to be every, every man, every person kind of thing. Like we want to be like a premium brand that offers a really high level of service to our candidate and clients. Mm. We can't do that if, you know, you've got a bunch of people that aren't very good at their job or a bunch of people that aren't really committed to their job. So, like, our philosophy at the start is like, hey, this is a platform for people that want to be successful, that want to be good. Like, we're fast-growing. That means there's really exciting opportunities for you. But, like, take the ball by the horns. And, like, if you don't fancy it, no problem. Mm. So our philosophy has been... Let's invest in people as much as we can. Let's give them an L&D ramp. Let's put them in some teams, whether they can be effective. Let's give them good market strategy. Then let's really encourage them. Let's treat them like grown ups. like we're not hovering over you. Mm. But you're, as a result of us not hovering over you, there's an expectation around your performance. And, you know, you're ultimately responsible for that.
0: And then just to run us out, I just want to make it clear for people because we had our live podcast event the other week and... One of the guests was really, again, talking about in the same way where they're just really the way that they talked about their business was they're really proud and passionate about the platform that they can offer mm. people. And yeah, like really spoke about the training, the upskilling, taking that seriously. And it was like the platform, the platform. So when you say that, you might have already mentioned it and, and, and spoken about it, but just for people to understand when you say yeah, me, me and Andy are really committed to building a great platform for people. Like, what are the core elements of that platform? I know you were just probably just outlining there, but just for people to understand what you believe, what you see as those core elements as a platform, as a recruitment business that you can offer to people, what yeah. makes up that platform?
1: Yeah, I, look, I think... me. M- You know, at Talisman, we're uh, we're passionate about both the renewable energy industry and also the staffing industry. Like, we actually genuinely think it's much maligned, doesn't get the credit it deserves. Mm. It's a bit better in the US. I know it gets a rough ride over here in the UK. Mm. Like, we're really passionate about creating a place where people can have great jobs because we think recruitment and particularly recruitment in the clean energy industry provides great jobs. Mm So for us, that means giving people good training, not just training around, you know, this is how you influence someone or this is the recruitment process, this is a sales process, but training around developing them as business people so that they understand market strategy, they understand mm. market forces, they understand how to run their areas of the business. And as the team leaders get big enough, they understand how to manage a P&L, and they've got exposure to everything that we're doing in the back. Like, Mm -hmm. we're open about that. Like, we want to be really transparent about our business. And then we want to keep growing the business for a number of different reasons, but in terms of the people reason, because if your business is growing and not stagnating, opportunity exists for your Mm -hmm. staff. So whether that's a new service line, whether that's hey H R as a service is really exciting, you're you know you're a great professional, but sales isn't really for you. You'd be much better in kind of like a consulting type role. Mm. Have a look at this. whether it's moving them from contract to perm or perm to contract, whether that's opening up new geographies, whether that's opening up new markets, new technologies, or just the myriad of internal roles that happen when you're growing really quickly, mm. right? And then just the typical path of consultant to team leader that happens a lot more when you're growing quickly right so we're a big believer in like the career journey we don't want people to stagnate we want people to think i started here and i left six years later doing a different role mm-hmm. and i did three or four different roles and i really grew as a professional and now i'm leaving i'm a real badass like mm-hmm. well-rounded in a number of different things we call it like our air model right Attraction, incentivization, and retention. It's like, and we've got each of those has a subheading of right, how are we attracting people? How do we incentivize people to stay? Uh, sorry, how do we incentivize people to join? How do we incentivize people to perform? And then how do we retain them? And a big part of the re- retention is, its like the career journey that you take them yeah. on, you know? Love that. Really excited to see, you know, where you end up in
0: another year or so, but really enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on the pod. Thanks, mate, Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away. As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're an online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. if you're a recruitment business owner listening to this there's a good chance that you value self-development personal development you're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement but we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers and we've ended up being a really great fit modern fit for recruitment teams